welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand here, as always, with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. Hi, Jonathan. It's been a while since we uh, actually recorded an episode just for the podcast. I know. It's good to be back. I think that where we left off last time, I mean, last time we did a just for the podcast episode, um, is, is that it was just before Midwinter Ball, the fictional holiday that I invented to mark the halfway point between the average first frost and last frost in Northfield, Minnesota. Um, and so Midwinter Ball has now come and gone, and I wanted to give a little recap of how it went, partly because it was super fun and I just want to share. And oh, partly, yeah, I've been waiting to hear about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and partly because I am really now into making up new holidays, and I want to inspire others to, uh, you know, invent holidays mm-hmm. uh, to mark the occasions that you want to. Okay, so uh, winter is is long and dark in Minnesota, and uh, it is long enough and dark enough and cold enough that um, w- one of the things I love about Minnesota and Minnesotans is that it is too long and too cold to just try to like stay inside and ride it out, right? You can't just be like, ah, oh, well, we'll just not do anything for six months and then see you in the spring. Um, so Minnesotans like get really into being outside and everybody has like outdoor hobbies and skis and snowshoes and plays broom ball. And like, you know, people really get into the winter stuff. So I wanted to have a holiday that was not like, oh, winter sucks and isn't it great that we're halfway done, but is like just a holiday where you live outside and embrace beautiful, frigid north mm-hmm. and, you know, mark mark the, the, the point. I think of it as like, like figuratively, you know, when you find like the, the, the point on a continent that is like the farthest from any coast, right? This is like the point where we are the deepest into the winter that we can ever be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to celebrate it, we had a couple of friends over for an outside socially distanced uh, event, and we, okay, okay. So we made champagne glasses out of ice, and the first tradition is that you drink champagne out of your ice glass, and whoever springs a leak first uh, gets the, the first honor of getting to wear uh, the crown of Papa Winter's favorite child. Papa Winter is the fictional deity who watches over Midwinter Ball. I, mean, um, I, I and... have to. I have to stop you. How do you get a yeah. champagne glass made of ice? Oh, so I tried like ten different techniques, and the thing that worked the best was a plastic, like a plastic cup, um, and then hanging a shot glass from the rim of the plastic cup, cup with tape. So the shot glass is like suspended in the middle of the plastic cup at the top and then filling it up with water and freezing it. So it freezes like the plastic cup, but with a shot glass sized hole in the middle. Okay. Does that make sense? I kind of want to see it. Yes, it, I think it does. I think you should, uh, oh, you should I, share this knowledge with the world. I would, I would be happy to post pictures. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I wanted to start off with like this contest, uh, well, not a contest, but you know, just to see mm-hmm. whose glass would spring up leak first. Cause that's mm-hmm. like, it would be fun to make a mess. It's also kind of an incentive to, drink it more quickly because then it would like you'd have warmer champagne you know to melt it so there's mm-hmm, there's a couple mm-hmm. layers there mm-hmm. okay but so then whoever's broke first got to wear the crown of papa winter's favorite child which is um a crown made out of balsam branches and pine cones and feathers and acorns and just like whatever you know nature treasures i could find around uh and you got to and you got to earn the crown by doing things that are awesome and helpful for the group um or uh, something that that Papa Winter would approve of. 
The other thing that's super fun about drinking out of glasses made of ice is that when you finish them, you can just throw them on the ground and they smash into a million pieces. And uh-huh. It feels very exciting and dramatic. Uh-huh. Um, so we did that. We had mulled wine. I made 30 rainbow blocks of ice for the kids to play with. So I just like Ooh. filled our chest freezer up with Tupperware over and over again with like food coloring and water to make big blocks. Uh-huh. And I made bowling balls and bowling pins made out of ice. Um, oh, and I made up a silly tradition about how you had to wear uh, little bits of uh, tree branches and, you know, all of the like dead outside foliage that I could um, pin to your coat to make Papa Winter think that you're a tree so he doesn't like blow cold air on you and try to make you cold. Uh-huh. So it's, it's camouflage intended to keep you warm. Mm-hmm. And we had mugs of soup. And maple candy on snow. Uh, I made individual ice luges for uh, for peppermint schnapps. Um, it uh-huh. was it was it was super awesome. Very it cool. was a really a really fun way to brighten up the brighten up the winter darkness. Um, I have so many questions for you about this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll limit myself <laughs> to two. Um, do your kids realize that no one else yet celebrates this holiday? I don't think so because. Okay. Um, because they like talked about it, you know, the same way that they would talk about like Christmas or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and when you explain to them the traditions of Christmas or the Tooth Fairy or whatever, right. like the, the midwinter ball traditions are no weirder than any of those. Right. You, just, right? you say so it with a straight like, face and you, you pretend you didn't just make it up 30 seconds ago. And yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, there was one time where, where the five and a half year old was like, wait, mama, is Papa Winter real? And, you know, I explained that no, but it's fun to pretend that this is mm-hmm. what he represents and all of that. Um, but no, I can't wait till they, like, are in school and they're like, what are you doing for Midwinter Ball this weekend? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, next year, right? <laughs> this will be the, yeah, right. They're going to remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so my other question for you is, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming that this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon within a couple of years. But a, as people, uh-huh. all of our listeners around the world want to celebrate their own midwinter balls uh it's um it's location specific because it depends on the frost right so so not everyone is going to celebrate it on the day that you celebrate it that's fun okay so but that's right right so if i want to do it i have to look up the almanac in you know in st louis and i got to figure out the the days and then maybe you know once everyone's doing it we could all kind of have a, a shared day where we we kind of average all of them together or something well but what's really nice about it happening on different days is that the real, like, hardcore MWB groupies could, like, chase the holiday, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like, yeah. Figure- <laughs> so I can do it here and then come and see you in St. Louis when you celebrate it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could celebrate it multiple times a year, mm-hmm. which has a real charm to it, too. I like that. Okay. Cool. Um, oh, I thought I had one other question, but I'm, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. I'll let it. I'll let it sit. I'll try to. I have to do a lot of planning for next year, Julia. Yeah, well, you got you got some time. I do. Yeah. Um. All right. So this, but but this kind of segues nicely into the actual topic for today. Um, that has to do. Uh, okay. So, well, why did I invent a new holiday this year? Um. Uh. It's because pandemic is super hard, and there is not enough fun. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not enough. A lot of things. Like clearly, the lack of fun is not the worst problem about this pandemic. But, um, one of the things that I have found really challenging is like. There's so little to look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything mm-hmm. is everything is a lot of work, and it's unclear what kind of you know when the end is going to be in sight and what it's going to look like and all of that. 
Um, and so one of the things I have been trying to do to keep spirits up around the house is to just come up with ways of having fun that are within the bounds of, of what we can do. Um, and it's, and it's, uh, it's been particularly strange in that. So when my kids are out of daycare and I mom four hours a day and work four hours a day, um, the four hours of work time are like super incredibly intense focused work time. But then the four hours of momming are like just Play-Doh and reading frozen stories, like frozen, the cartoon, not uh-huh, like right. frozen, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, like, you know, like just like reading, reading stories, to my kids. And, um, uh, I guess like intense focused momming, but, but also, so, so I have like all of this quote unquote free time, which is time that I'm not working, but like none of it's actually free, right? It's mm-hmm. all, it's all spent doing, doing childcare. Um, but there are ridiculous things you can do, like making lots of blocks of ice with children, helping you drip food coloring and and stuff like that. Um so so there is somehow both no time at all to do anything and time to do creative silly projects as mm-hmm. long as you can keep a 5-year-old and a 3-year-old entertained right. while while doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh so so what we wanted to talk about today is um the ways that the pandemic is is hitting us and how we are helping ourselves and those around us deal with those challenges. Um, and this was sparked in part by, I mean, the, the idea for this um, came from a couple of tweets that I have seen recently that uh, that, that, that really hit me. And we'll link to these um, in the show notes. One of them uh, is by Sarah Smith, who defined pandemic fine as a state of being in which you are employed and healthy during a pandemic but you're also tired and depressed and feel like trash all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I really liked that because, uh, you know, when things are hard, there's a great solidarity in knowing that it's not hard just because, I don't know, you're weak and failing in some way, but because it's like actually hard. Mm-hmm. And so I have um, one of the things that has really helped me is just hearing from other people that it's hard for them too. Even when they are lucky enough that the things that are hard are not that they are sick or don't have a job or, you know, having, um, uh, you know, like real major structural problems, Um, but that it's hard for everybody. So Mm. so when people ask you how you're doing, I mean, we we check in at the beginning of our podcast, you know, hey, Mm -hmm. Julia, how are you doing? What's your typical answer to people? And what are you thinking in your head when, when people ask you? I think... I think hanging in is mm-hmm. a p- pretty common one, you know, or like, oh, fine, you know, uh-huh. um, because because in, in like in all of the big ways, I am fine. I'm incredibly fortunate. I know that this pandemic has been much harder on many people in like mm-hmm. real structural ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, you know, t- t- tired and feel like trash all the time. Right. I mean, that's that's a little strong mm-hmm. for how I actually am. But um, yeah. How about how about I, you? How do you respond? Well, I think I think for the first um, the first little while, the first six months or something, you know, I'd be like, oh, yeah, fine, good. And, but it felt it felt very, uh, you know, kind of disingenuous because things didn't really feel fine. But as you said, I also, you know, we've been very fortunate in our family that um, no one's no one's been particularly sick and we're all employed and, and things like that. So I, I think you know, I, I, I don't, ha- I feel like I don't have a right to complain because in that sense, we've been really, 
I'm really fortunate. Um, mm-hmm. but things don't really feel great, you know? And so, yeah, so I've, I've turned it into, uh, hanging in there. Um, uh, because that's kind of, that's what it, what it feels like. And I do think, you know, there's, we will maybe come back to this too, but I think there's some value in either in solidarity or just in helping, uh, you know, helping people know that, that you might be having a little bit of a tough time, even if it's a very, I guess it's very subtle signaling. <laughs> what you didn't notice mm-hmm. when I said hanging in there instead of fine that that really meant it was having a really tough day. Good exclamation right. point! Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I want to I want to grab something that you just said, which is um, feeling like you don't have a right to complain about about what's going on. And and on the one hand, I totally get that, and I appreciate you know how many times have I said I know that other people have it worse, mm-hmm. and I feel a little you know silly even complaining about what's going on, given how great many things in my life are. Um, I, I also wanted to do an episode about this, though, because I've been talking to a lot of my students, um, many of whom are having a super tough time and are saying things like, oh, I don't know why things aren't going better for me. I don't have any right to complain, you know, and 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 I've been trying to explain to them that, like, even if you are employed and healthy and all of those things, like just dealing with the mental weight of everything that's going on in the world right now is really hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. And just because other people are dealing with those things in addition to being sick or out of work or something like that doesn't mean that it's easy for you. It doesn't mean that it should be, right? right? Like saying saying you're not allowed to be sad because other people have it worse is like, Mm -hmm. you know, like we would never say you're not allowed to be happy because somebody else has it better. Right. (laughs) Right. This can be challenging, even if it's more challenging. Sure. For for different people are challenging in different ways. But Mm -hmm. um like nobody's having an awesome time right now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, well, I don't think Listeners, so. If, if one <laughs> of you is having an awesome time, I'm glad for you, and I and I hope you really appreciate it because I think you're probably in the minority. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly in the minority. But um, but pe- people do well. I, I I guess I'll speak for myself. I'm people. Um, so I, I think a lot of my interactions are with. Um, I mean, certainly with students, but also lots of meetings with with colleagues, other faculty mm-hmm. members, and so on. And it seems like there's a big variability in like how stressed out people are, or maybe it's just a big mm-hmm. variability in like how much they let that come through on a Zoom meeting, which mm-hmm. is you know which I totally under understand. But um, I don't know. It seems like there's a big there's a big range. Individual differences mm-hmm. seem to play a big role, and, yeah. and part of that is you know for people with kids, like what the school situation is or whatever. You know, I mean that I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not the only factor, but that does seem to be a factor. Um, but I'll also say that for me, like it can, it really changes day to day. So some days I really feel like up against the wall and like, I'm, I have nothing left to give by nine in the morning. And like other days I'm like, oh, things are pretty good. Uh, it, which is, mm-hmm. I, I understand all this is normal, like our emotions and so on can change day to day, but I sort of feel like it's exacerbated in, in the, in pandemic times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like those emotional states, uh, when, when, you know, like there are days in, in the before times where I'd be feeling grumpy or out of sorts or something, but then I'd like go to work and have a bunch of meetings and talk to people and have a bunch of uh, uh, social interactions that like take me out of my own head. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't have those, then I feel like it's much easier to kind of like stay in whatever whatever mental state you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I, I also yeah have the sense that like every day is like every other day. And it's not entirely mm-hmm. true, but I mean... People say, well, how was your weekend? And I feel like, uh, you know, what is a weekend? 
felt like it. That yeah. doesn't really, it's not, again, it's not entirely true, but I, a little bit of that feeling. I mean, when you're working at home and then you're home on the weekend, like, are you, are you always at home or always at work? And For example, we've talked about kids that. Kids are before. at home no matter what. And mm-hmm. yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like there are big individual differences. Of course, there are big, uh, demographic differences. Um, we can, you know, link to some of the articles that talk about how, women are bearing the the brunt of the additional work at home in general across the country. Um, we can post articles that talk about, um, you know, how, how incredibly traumatic um, all of the events of the summer and increased focus on racial justice um, have been for minorities and people of color. Um, boy. And then just in the last, in the last couple of weeks, all of the articles uh, showing about the dramatic and super troubling rise of anti-Asian American um, violence that, it, I mean, is, yeah. So, so anyway, like it, it's, um, uh, it is clear that there are individual differences within groups and that there are also big divides across groups that, that make this um, much harder for, for some groups than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so one of, okay, so things are hard. Everyone agrees. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this is that I feel like I've been having so many one-on-one conversations with students in which I am like trying to reinforce that it's like to be expected and normal to be having a hard time right now because, because it's super hard. Um, and I've been thinking about what are the things that have like helped me feel better well, all this has, has been going on. Um, and, and a a big one is just like hearing from other people. I mean, like I said, that, that this is like a, a normal and reasonable reaction. Another thing that we're going to link to is, uh, Jonathan, did you see that the New York times primal scream article? I I did not. Okay. 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 It's great. So that, that, that's perfect. Cause then I can explain it to you. You know, we didn't, Mm -hmm. we didn't fake this. Um, so, so I guess the New York Times like opened up a phone line where they encouraged uh, moms at the end of their ropes to call in and scream or rant or rage or, you know, whatever about all of the things that are really hard for them right now. Um, and when I was reading it, I felt this like incredible sense of like camaraderie and solidarity just being like, oh, it's not just me that's going a little bit crazy right now. This mm-hmm. is just like, this is a thing that is happening and is a, um, a reasonable reaction to the situation that, that we're in. Um, and so, dear listeners, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's, uh, um, yeah, yeah, that's all. I encourage okay. you to check it out. Okay. Well, can I ask, I mean, I, well, what things have been hardest for you? Like, like, are you aware of of things that have been the most challenging? Yeah. So, so one thing is I'm just like super behind and underwater with work stuff, right? Like having, um, having the kids at home and working four hours a day and then whatever I can squeeze in after they go to bed at night or before they wake up in the morning or on the weekends, um, is just, is not enough hours to do the work that I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I am like, doing less good work than I usually do. I am, you know, later on things than I usually am. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm not doing as good a job at my job as I would do if I had eight hours of work a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's like, 
I'm not it, mad at myself for that. I recognize that that's just is what it is, but, but it's, you know, it's frustrating to like not be doing your best work. But it kind of compounds over time too, right? I mean, that's, that's something else yeah. I've been noticing is sort of like, you know, in whatever, in March last year, when lockdown started, like you go in kind of emergency mode, you know, and for like for a mm-hmm. week, you're like, okay, we got it. We can, your adrenaline is pumping and you're like moving stuff around. It's all fine. And and then after, you know, months and months and months, like, you know, you can't keep in emergency mode all the time and like mm-hmm. finding a new, like a new normal in a way, but like one that's sustainable, right? Like, I think I feel like mm-hmm. I have a new normal and it does not seem sustainable, but we've been doing it for almost a year. Um, mm-hmm. and so trying to find whether it's my expectations or my responsibilities or my schedule or whatever, but it feels like I'm still trying to cling to the old ways when, when they have not been, you know, like relevant for, for a long time. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's challenging. Um, uh, uh, the, the like social, you know, I, I'm such a super extrovert. I just, I miss people and hugging and going places and laughing in crowds and like, you know, I just like the, the social stuff. I miss a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the, so there's like the missing it and there's the, you know, not much to look forward to. It's all a lot the same, except when you make up new holidays. Um, that stuff is, is really challenging. And then, um, the, like, I adore my children and I love spending time with them. And, you know, when it's, we're just together all the time, all the time. And, uh, sometimes when I'm with them, you know, I get a Slack message from a student or something and I need to respond right away. And I'm kind of like doing this dual tasking, trying to like juggle children and getting work stuff done, like constant task switching. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just really hard to like be present and engaged and all of that. So I mean, I feel like at least for me, then you know, on occasion when that happens, then no one gets my best self. Right. So like the family gets a distracted me because I'm trying to take care of the work thing that was overdue. And then the, you know, colleagues or students who are messaging me from work, get, get a bad response from professor Peel because I'm in the middle of, you know, literally holding two babies while the third one's screaming. And I'm trying to write a thoughtful reply to, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I find the task switching super hard too. And that's a problem from you know, with working from home, um, for me is like, you know, I mean, I'm curious how it is for you, but you know, I'll say, okay, I have four hours to work, but I have ears and I can hear stuff that's going on. And so even if (laughs) I know that everyone is safe and the house is not on fire, if there's a lot of, well, happy screaming or yelling or or sad screaming or yelling or whatever, then I'm like, I can't even, either I go help or or I just like, you know, it's a dual task thing. And um, anyway, and, and I, you know, I can't, I can't just, I haven't found the right headphones uh, or the, or the will within myself to like totally drown out uh, what's going on. And I don't want to, cause I, you know, I know I, I want to be present too. So I find it, you know, I can't do, I, I really struggle to do anything that requires a lot of like deep, quiet thought and reflection, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a, a fair part of the parts of our job that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've depressed all of our listeners by by bringing up all the things that are, are everybody's hard. like, yeah, we know it sucks. Yeah. It sucks for us too. Right. All right. Here's the thing. Here's uh, okay. So I'm talking about like things things that have been helpful for us. Um, this is such a silly one, but it actually has like uh, I don't know changed changed my really really changed my outlook. Um, and that is 
a wonderful tweet that I saw from the uh, wonderful and brilliant uh, Chris Chambers, um, who, for those of you who don't know, is a open science enthusiast and uh, advocate for uh, for registered reports and has done all kinds of great work. What the the tweet that he that he uh, tweeted the other day that I really liked last week um, was hashtag Kobayashi Maru hashtag academic parent. That's the tweet. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Kobayashi Maru. Let me explain why this is like the most brilliant tweet that anyone's ever written. Um, so the Kobayashi Maru, we'll link to the Wikipedia page in the show notes, uh, is a training exercise in in the Star Trek universe that is designed to test the character of Starfleet Academy cadets. So they have to like go do the simulation. They're captioning the ship. They have to make some important choice, whatever. But the simulation is set up such that it is impossible to win. You cannot win it. No matter what you do, no matter what choices you make, it is not going to arrive at like at you know at a at a at a, at a winning uh, uh, conclusion. Mm-hmm. Lots of people try, they you know keep trying all of these different ways, never ever win. Um, and and when asked why you would design a test that's impossible to win, the creators say something along the lines of, "The point isn't to try to win. The point is to be presented with an impossible situation." And still see whether people conduct themselves with character. So you're in a situation that you can't possibly beat, but do you just fall down screaming and give up? Or do you do the best you can even when you know you can't win? Mm-hmm. So Chris put it in the context of academic parenting, but I think it could just be like Kobayashi Maru hashtag like pandemic living. Um, and and it's and it, it works just as well because it's it's the idea that like. It, you know, I can't possibly do my job as well in four hours a day as I do under normal circumstances. Like I just, it's, I just can't, it's not possible. Um, but, but the point isn't to try to do that, right? Like the point isn't to try to live the lives we were living, but I mean, sh- I would encourage us to think that the point isn't to try to do exactly what we were doing before the pandemic and you just do it in half the time, um, in my <laughs> right. case, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, and I, I really loved this because it was a super useful reframe for me to just like recognize that this is kind of a no win situation. Like it's, it's impossible to, it's impossible to do it. And so then the goal becomes not trying to do it and feeling bad about yourself when you can't, but just trying to do the best you can and recognizing that that's all you, that's, you know, that's, that's all we can expect of ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, and it would kind of re um, resets your expectations a little bit, right? I mean, just as what you yeah, said, and yeah, I think, yeah. at least for me, but I think for a lot of us, we we sort of have the expectations are unchanged from a year ago about mm-hmm. our health or productivity or so, social engagement. Uh, and because mm-hmm. those things are impossible for most of us, like we're always disappointed, right? At least for me, it mm-hmm. feels like, you know, every day I'm like, oh, I didn't do the things I wanted to do because I'm still expecting to be able to kind of you know, live, live life, quote unquote, normally. Um, and mm-hmm. so by reframing that and saying, Hey, you can't win the way that you can't win by those rules or win, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of succeed. You have to kind of have a different perspective on it. And that, that can be encouraging, I think. Yeah. One of the things um, that I've been thinking a lot about lately too, is, you know, it's all well and good for us who are healthy and employed and have tenure to say like, oh yeah, well, we can't get our best work done. So I guess we'll just have to be okay with that. Um, but, but I've also been thinking about how we are going to ensure that for the people who 
you know, we're hiring in two years who have big holes on their CV because they didn't get anything done during this time for exactly these reasons, you know, how, how we can ensure that that doesn't systematically hurt some people more than others, right? Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. we are aware of um, the inequities and in how this pandemic affects people and are sensitive to the fact that like, we have to have different expectations about what people have done during this time than, than we would have before. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's useful both in terms of like, um, I don't know, helping us have reasonable expectations for ourselves. But I think it is super important that we also think about how we can apply this after the fact when, especially when we're evaluating other people. And I think that'll be, you know, I mean, of course it's, it, it will it continue to be important for a long time. Right. So I think now in, uh, you know, February of 2021, many people are thinking a lot about about you know pandemic related changes and accommodations and things but two years from now uh you know knock on wood uh if things are better um people might start to not think about it so much but actually all of the work that you would have done in 2020 and 2021 might be being published then or might have led to the grant that Uh is going to be on your cv in two or three years and so the effects of this are going to be felt for you know a very long time um, mm-hmm. And so I think we have to sort of remember to advocate for people who have been affected that way. I mean, in addition to, you know, in our own, our own decisions, thinking about that, but also kind of being vocal to remind other people who are, I think, you know, it's human nature, we're gonna, we're gonna forget. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, what have other people done that has helped you get through this time, Julia, if anything? Yeah, um, I... <laughs> been nice (laughs) um Uh you know in the times where like i have asked for extra time with something or uh you know like screwed something up for my students and they have no been nice and said oh we understand whatever um uh i i think just like other people you know being kind and acknowledging what's going on um i had (laughs) My sweet three-year-old had a like big mega meltdown tantrum um, right next to me while I was teaching the other day. I'm just like, you know, staring at the 30 faces of my sweet students who are like laughing, but also like shocked. Uh-huh. Well, my child just screams, no, but I want mama right now. And I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? Um, and, and, you know, many of them afterwards, like s- said nice things and asked if she was okay and whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like. I don't know that uh, really um, <laughs> nice feelings of nice feelings of solidarity. Like they're not just rolling their eyes and being like, what's the matter with her? She can't dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just, you know, mostly people, people being nice and kind and acknowledging the difficulties of the situation. I mean, something that's, yeah, no, I mean, same. I think something that, um, well, something that can be hard is when I'm having a hard time, it takes sometimes a little more effort to to be nice to other people. Um, of course, uh-huh. I'd, I'd like to say that I'm always equally nice to everyone all the time, but um, you know, sadly, that's not true. I I, I get grumpy and uh-huh. I I get short with people and I get impatient um, and so on. And I, I I you know I try really hard not to take that out on people, but I'm sure that I do. Um, but I uh-huh. think you know it's hard because this is a time when when we all need a little bit of extra you know, consideration and flexibility and so on. And I've, I've really benefited from that myself. So I I have to work, you know, extra hard to kind of pay that forward. Um, so what are some specific things? So, um, 
Uh, well, so as you said, so students in my classes have been great uh, and they've been really understanding. I've tried, tried to communicate what's going on and be super honest, but then if I end up changing the syllabus 15 times or, or you know, mess up some technology thing, people are um, have not yelled at me, uh, which has been great because that, that's stressful for, for me. Um, and yeah, things like ex- deadlines on ex- uh, extension deadlines, bleh, ex- extensions on deadlines, you know, um, for various things have, have been nice too. So, um, so, so likewise, then I try to cut people some slack if they tell me they're going to do a thing and don't do it or, or get, you know, get quote unquote busy with stuff. Then I, I try to just roll with it, you know, and, and not, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully not nag people too much. Um, yeah. How much do you, um, share with your trainees, students, colleagues about the stuff that's hard for you? Like, do you, do you talk about it or do you try to kind of play those cards close to your chest? Both. Um, I guess you'd have to ask them really. I think, you know, one of the things this is like, is it applicable in the pandemic, but also like in non-pandemic times also is, um, Mm -hmm. and so this is like a, a, you know, anyway, this is true for lots of other topics also, but I'm going to, I'm going to apply it in this context because that's where it's relevant to me, um, which is parenting stuff, which I, I never understood fully before we had kids, um, what my colleagues were talking about. And I would nod my head and say, Oh yes, I understand. You have to go take care of blah, blah, blah. Uh, but now I'm the one who has to go take care of the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh man, what a headache. Uh, uh, and so not to complain, I love our children and it's wonderful, but just the, the task switching and, and the time demands is, is something that was hard for me to understand ahead of time. So I think that I feel like I don't adequately communicate how hard that is. And I also, you know, I don't know if I could, because a lot of the people that I'm having meetings with uh, don't have a reference point for that. Yeah. The times when I have found it um, like helpful to, to talk about it is often when I'm talking with students who are having a hard time themselves and you know maybe blaming themselves for um for their hard time you know Mm -hmm. saying uh, i don't have a right to complain i don't understand why this is so hard for me and i can't just you know get my act together or whatever um i will sometimes share like you know i'm not doing my best work right now either and you know explain a bit about about what that looks like in the hopes that you know if, if they i hope respect me uh seeing that you know, seeing, seeing someone that they respect is also dealing with some of the same things that they're dealing with, um, that, you know, that, that might help them uh, feel Mm -hmm. less guilty and responsible, you know, for, for it themselves. Yeah. Well, I think that's in in a way, you know, something that I think you and I are hoping is that by um, continuing this conversation today and maybe other times too, but like also including some practical tips, because I'd love to kind of get into that with you a little bit at some point. Um, we can kind of encourage everyone through this, right? So I think, I think mm-hmm. you know, there's like the kind of the big picture in issues of like holding yourself to a particular standard or, or having, being nice to yourself and other people. And then there's like, okay, well, I have today, how do I structure my day? And do I do anything differently now than I used to that's, that's been helpful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing, I, so I'm I'm just transitioning to that right now because because we have time. Um, one thing that I have not entirely successfully done, but I've been trying to do, is to have more phone calls instead of Zoom meetings. Um, because for a lot of meetings with a lot of people, uh, it's almost as effective or 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 as effective or more effective. Uh, uh, and the and the reason I like doing that is I don't have to 
worry about video stuff. And so if I want to stay inside my study or my office or whatever, I can like walk around the room or stretch or whatever. Um, but I can also go for a walk outside. Uh, and, and one of my problems has just been being cooped up at home for days on end, uh, and not getting outside at all. And so if I can go for a half hour walk, um, I mean, frequently I'm happier and I'm kind of a better conversationalist then, uh, but it's also just really good for my overall, you know, well, mental health and also physical health. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't figured out how to record a podcast while we go for a walk and it might be kind of noisy. So that's probably not so good, but, uh, yeah, phone meetings are good. I was trying to think of anything else. I'm like, no, everything else is just hard. Um, <laughs> do, do you have, do you have any, do you have like a, um, do you typically have like a routine in terms of like morning or afternoon is work time for you or does it vary from day to day? It varies. Yeah. It varies day to day, depending on when I, when I teach and other mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the other, the other thing that has been helpful is just like making sure I'm taking good care of myself. So getting enough sleep, exercising, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, that's, yeah, that, that, that really is helpful for me too. Yeah, that's a good point. And that also took me, um, uh, well, I, anyway, the exercising has come and gone. The sleep was not good for a very long time because my, my approach was, you know, do all the things that have to be done. Uh, and then our, our, you know, anyway, our kids are usually in bed by about eight, uh, and then kind of clean up the kitchen and and do all the things that have to be done. Then it's nine, uh, and then I can either go to bed or I can try to work for a couple of hours. Uh, and I never do very good work then, but I always felt like I had to try to catch up. Um, and I've been trying to to fight against that. Uh, and actually, I mean, you know, anyway, go to bed before before eleven, uh, which has been really good for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, I say that, and then like. I mean, anyway, if I have stuff that's due for class the next day, then I will just stay up and do it. But I'm trying to not make that a habit, which is really easy for me. Right. And and only doing the things that actually, like, you have to do for class tomorrow, or you're going to, you know, let your students down rather right. than, well, I could work on this paper that's due. Meanwhile, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I have found that is helpful um, is just trying to help everybody else as much as I possibly can. I, there was a, a day, um, uh, last week where I had like just a, a wall of student meetings. I was like going to spend six hours or something in, in meetings. Um, and that's, that's, um, it's challenging because, you know, if I only have like 15 or 20 minutes with a student, I want to like really give them my all because that's the only time they get me for. And I, you know, want to give them everything. Um, but it's just very tiring to like mm-hmm. be giving it your all that many nonstop. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was a little bit like, "Ooh, this is going to be a really exhausting day. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to like make sure that I say something super nice to every single one of them and help them feel better about whatever thing they're working on or, you know, give them the compliments that I haven't given them about the work they've done so far or things like that. And, you know, just like really working hard to help other people be in a better spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's helpful, too. It's also, it's also work, but it's like, I don't know, that's kind of work that I'm happy, really happy to put in, even when I'm feeling maxed out, because mm-hmm. it helps everybody. Well, that's good. And that also, I think having the mindset of trying to encourage other people instead of like uh, dreading another meeting, um, because mm-hmm. I, you know, I do, I feel like, I don't know if we actually have more meetings now. It feels like more meetings because everything is on Zoom. Um, 
And so, I mean, there's like Zoom fatigue because Zoom is annoying. And it's just, for me, it's also just meeting fatigue, that just meeting after meeting is, it does wear on me. Um, but I think mm-hmm. rather than sort of like cursing, I mean, I love all my colleagues, so I, it's nothing against them, but I just like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of meetings, but viewing it as an opportunity to encourage people, I think, um, is kind of a nice twist on that, a nice reframing. Yeah. Um, the other thing I have two other general thoughts about meetings, um, that might be helpful again, true all the time, but I've, I've been coming back to these strategies in, in pandemic times, um, is uh, blocking off times on my calendar ahead of time for things that I know that I need to do for myself. Um, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, could be in theory, this would be like writing and data analysis, although that usually never happens. But anyway, I try to block off, um, you know, travel time to class or prep time for class or other times of day where I find meetings to be particularly difficult. Or if I just need a break between like this block of meetings and this other block, I'll just put in a, an event in my calendar to remind me um, and other people not to book meetings there. Uh, I still mm-hmm. use Calendly to book all my meetings. And so I, if people say, oh, can I meet with you? I say, here, sign up here, uh, this link. And so if I have an event on the calendar, then it will it will not allow them to book a meeting there. So um, I partly do that because it puts some of the scheduling burden on the people meeting with me and partly because I am weak. And if you ask me in person, I'll say, oh, I, I could meet then, sure. Uh, but if the computer does it, the computer will, will actually protect my time better. Say, no, yeah, exactly. Jonathan's working. Right. Yeah. Leave them alone. Um, and then the other thing is um, all of my Calendly meetings default to 30 minutes um, instead of an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. And I do have lots of hour-long meetings for various things. But for a lot of meetings, a half hour is really plenty. Um, and I would rather be, have shorter meetings. So sometimes it means you have to chit chat a little bit less and be a little bit more focused and efficient, but I think that's fine. And, and again, you know, if you schedule an hour, people, oftentimes a meeting will take up the whole time, even if you don't need it. But if you have Mm -hmm. half hour meetings or 20 minute meetings or whatever you think works for you, you can kind of smush in a few more and then hopefully block off a bigger chunk after the the point is not to have back to back meetings, but now you have a lot more meetings. The point is to have the same number of meetings take up less time. So you have time for other things. Mm-hmm. Yep. One thing that I tried, well, I didn't try very hard, um, but I had the idea to do. Uh, and <laughs> well, I like your honesty. I wanted to have, um, so we, we've been using gather for, um, for lab stuff. And I had uh-huh. this idea because, you know, one of the things, um, that I really liked was being able to pop into the lab, walk around, say, Hey, I, look, I have 15 minutes. I can do a quick swing through, see how people are doing. And a lot of times people will say, Oh, I have this one question for you, you know, and it's like a five mm-hmm. minute question and then we're done. And I've helped them and they've gotten their question answered and so on. Um, but now it's like, if they have that question, they'll either make a half hour zoom meeting to ask me that one question and, and they can't make it for a week and it makes everyone delayed or like they won't mm-hmm. ask me or I won't know what's going on. And so, um, I, we tried using gather for like being on there when you're in the lab. Um, so I could kind of do a, 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 a virtual swing in at people's desks, but it, it turns out it's a, it's a little, I've been very bad about it because I'm away from my desk and I'm back at my desk and I, I like, I don't log in as much as I could, but I might try to restart that as like, you know, anyway, you can come find me and ask me a quick question and that's totally fine. You don't have to make a half hour meeting with me. 
Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any yeah, like informal smart. interaction stuff like that with your lab? Um, uh, we, we use Slack a lot. So mm-hmm. mostly when they have quick things, they just Slack me and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'll sometimes do like, oh, let's quick jump in the lab zoom room for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's working pretty well. I mean, the, the stuff that we're doing right now is less demanding than usual, uh, given the circumstances. Um, uh, but it's working, it's working fine. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. I thought of one more thing I wanted to say about the Kobayashi Maru or Kobayashi Maru, depending on who you ask. Um, when I saw that tweet, uh, I texted it to my friend Emily um, and I said, do you know this reference? And and, uh, uh, and she <laughs> and she called and, and we talked. She said, well, the first thing that I thought of was Kobayashi, like the eating champion and Maru, like the cat on the Internet who tries to fit in increasingly small boxes. <laughs> and she was like, so how are those things related to academic parenting? And, and but but then as she talked about it more, she's like, but then I kind of realized that like. That kind of works. It's like trying to cram too much food in your body, trying to cram too much cat in a box, trying to cram too many <laughs> rolls, uh, you know, into into mm-hmm. a life. Mm-hmm. And I loved it that that's not what anybody meant at all. But you can still find a way to make but that it metaphor still works. Work. I like it. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So, dear listeners, we wish you all the best in uh, in whatever situation you're in, whether it is a unwinnable Kobayashi Maru or uh, some other state of, of pandemic fine. Um, we wish you luck at taking good care of yourselves and the people around you and would encourage you to be gentle with yourselves about uh, um, the expectations you have for what is possible during the times of pandemic fine. And thank you for uh, emailing us and letting us know your thoughts. That has been something that has been um, really encouraging to me and Julia, and we really appreciate all of you for listening and uh, and for reaching out. Amen. We'll talk to you next time. All right. See you later, everybody. Take care.